0: This morning, I'm going to preach on the thought, the battle. It would probably be very wise, since I'm preaching about it, it would be very wise that we all pay attention, all right? So everybody say, look to your neighbor and say, I already pay attention. It's you that needs to pay attention. Amen. All right, so, Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have together in your word and in worship today. Thank you for the wonderful presence that we already feel. We pray that you would open our ears and our hearts, that we would hear your word, and that your word would go forth in power, and your word would go forth in boldness. And everyone shouted a great big amen. You may be seated. How many would agree with me that our society seems to be very distracted? I'm going to say that again. How many would agree with me that our society seems to be very distracted? We have become more distracted, and the steering wheel, in another hand, why you try to wave at a person that you know on the highway. We're very distracted. Our attention is here, our attention is there, and our focus has become very divided. Our technology is so advanced that we have everything at our fingertips. Just think about it. The modern-day phone is a little computer. Everything you need is at your fingertips. I love technology, and I think that you would agree that you love technology. In some ways, technology makes life so much easier. It makes it so much accessible. Technology is a wonderful thing to have, as long as technology don't have you. Technology is quick and technology is easy. It's wonderful. But I also believe that no matter how wonderful it is, it also has become our enemy. It has robbed our attention. And I would further say this, that it has robbed our attention span, society. Technology is wonderful, But I believe that it also has become our enemy because it has taught us not to focus. It has taught us to be divided in our attention and has taught us to have things real quick. And if we don't have it real quick, we move on to something else. Well, let me remind you, my friends, that there is always something after your attention, whether it's your phone, whether it's the media. Whether it's the elections, whether it's your thoughts, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your job, whether it's your kids and your finances, whether it's the opinions of others and the expectation of others, there will always be something after your attention. I believe there's a battle for your attention. There's a battle for your focus, and there's a battle for your undivided attention. We have become so easily distracted. We have become so easily disturbed by people and places and things that it almost takes something new and something spectacular to get our attention again. It's almost as though technology is a drug and it has to be improved every year for it to get our attention more and more and more. There's a battle for your attention this morning. Attention is the currency of our generation. Think about this. Attention is the currency of our generation. I'm going to quote from a documentary not too long ago called The Social Dilemma, and I quote. They said in the documentary this, if you're not paying, t- if you're not paying for the product, then you're the product. We're the product. Our attention is the product being sold to advertisers. Social media is not a tool. It is a drug. I believe that has a lot of truth to it. Social media is not a tool now. It's become a drug. In 2020... The World Health estimated that the average lifespan of an individual is approximately 72 years of old. And if you start using social media in any form at the age of 10 years old, then that means that the average person is going to spend at least over six years in using social media in their whole lifetime. Think about what you could do with your life that is productive. Think about the books that you could read in six years. Think about the relationships that you could build if you would take that many minutes and that many hours and invest it into something that's worthwhile. Think about the investment that you can make into somebody else by mentoring them and speaking life into them and training up leaders and reading books and growing and expanding, but yet we are throwing our life away as a wasteful product because our attention is focused somewhere else. The devil is after your attention. Our attention is under attack. The the National Safety Council reports that that that, uh, crashes in America, car crashes is estimated to be 1.6 million every year because people are using their cell phones because they are divided in their focus one out of every four car accidents in the US is caused by somebody texting and driving, why? because their attention is divided There's a battle after your attention. Answering a text takes about approximately five seconds, but that's all it takes for you to miss and hit something that would cause your life and somebody else's life. There is a battle for your attention. Texting while you're driving is six more times likely to cause an accident than somebody drinking drunk. Listen, my sermon is not about texting this morning and my sermon is not necessarily about you using your cell phone. And my sermon is not about the use of technology because I believe technology can be a tool and it can be wonderful and even your cell phone can be a wonderful tool. But in this postmodern society, our cell phone and our technology is hindering our attention span. It's hindering our focus. And because of that, we are missing out on the most important things in life. We are throwing our life away because we are so distracted. There are many times I've stood up here and preached my heart out to people, and I know for a fact people were on Facebook because I get in the car and I get on Facebook and I look at your post that you posted while I was preaching. We have become so distracted. We are so distracted by technology that we can't even pay attention to the man of God who is prepared to preach all week because we're so distracted. There's a battle for your attention. There's a battle for your undivided attention and you got to make a decision today. Am I going to be all in or am I going to be all out? If I come to church, I've got to make a decision. I'm all here. That means my mind is here. My body is here. My hands is here. And if I'm going to be here, I'm going to make the most of it. That means sometimes when you come to the house of God, you got to get unity within you. you got to get your mind to say the same thing your heart is is saying and your heart to say the same thing your feet are saying and your hands are saying, let's get unity within us. Let's get attention focused on God and quit this undivided attention in the house of God. I expect you that when you come to this church and you sit in that church pew, you put the phone down. I expect you, you sit there and you listen You say, well, I'm taking notes on my phone. That's all right. But make sure that note-taking don't become a distraction to thus says the Lord. I don't care about what you put on a piece of paper. I care about what's on your heart and what's written on your heart. Because if you're taking notes and leaving them on a shelf somewhere and never going back and applying it to your life, then all you're doing is taking up time on Sunday morning. But if you're taking notes, you better make sure those notes get on your heart. And the heart is circumcised by the hand of God. So is there anything wrong with note-taking? Absolutely not. I think it's a wonderful thing. But the greater challenge is make sure that the notes are on your heart. Is there anything wrong with taking notes on my phone? No. Just make sure you, your heart takes notes. Just make sure that whatever is said is not just in pen and paper or on your phone, but it gets in. There's been times that people have got up here and preached, guest speakers, and I've had people get up and walk out the church because I wasn't preaching. That is disrespectful. I said, that is disrespectful. And whoever's preaching, thus says the Lord, you need to give them the same respect that you give me when I get up here to preach. Did you hear me? There's a battle for it. Listen, I love you today. I'm not angry or mad. I just believe that we're living in a society right now. Our world is crazy. America is going crazy. People are fighting over the elections. Our attention is divided. Listen, the greater challenge is not focusing on who won the election, but the greater challenge is focusing on the sovereign Lord of the universe. Let's get our attention back to where it belongs. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 24, and then he said this, Take heed to what you hear, for with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you that hear, more will be given to you. Listen to the words of Jesus. He said you got to take heed to what you hear. With the same measure that you hear, it will be measured back to you. And to you who hear, more will be given to you. So your level of receptivity to the gospel determines the more in your life. If you're not getting anything out of the church service or anything out of the sermon, it's because the level of receptivity and the level of hearing is not conducive to where your heart is at. Jesus said, take heed to what you hear. Be careful what you hear. For with the same measure that you hear will be the same measure that it will be given back to you. You see, what you can determine your more by what you give your attention to. You can determine your more, M-O-R-E, by what you pay attention to. You can increase the measure given to you by changing what you hear. Think about it. Today's attention brings tomorrow's appetite. I want to say that loud and say it very clear because I think it's very important. Today's attention brings tomorrow's appetite. What you hear produces an appetite in your spirit. If you hear something over and over and over, that's going to produce an appetite to hear it more. The less that you hear sermons and the less you attend church, the less you want to hear about it. Because the level of your hearing determines the level that you'll receive at. Today's attention brings tomorrow's appetite. What kind of appetite you have is determined by what you are hearing today, but what you are focusing your attention on. So there is a battle for your attention today. Today's appetite is a product of yesterday's attention. Today's appetite, the appetite of your spirit, today's appetite, what you hunger for is the product of yesterday's attention. Whatever you're giving heed to, whatever you're giving attention to is going to determine what you are hungry for. I'm going to say that again, whatever you give your attention to, whatever you're focusing on is going to determine the level of appetite that you have. My friends, what kind of appetite do you have today? What kind of hunger do you have today? And whatever appetite and whatever hunger you have is really determined by yesterday's attention. What are you producing in your life? Even the prophet Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3. And I quote, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You see, whatever you focus on is going to bring you peace. You see, I've learned one thing in life is that you've got to train your thoughts. You can't trust your thoughts. I'm going to say that again. You've got to train your thoughts. You cannot trust your thoughts. There's many people that's become discouraged. There's people that's given up on God and quit the church because they have trusted their own feelings and own thoughts and they have trusted their own misunderstandings. And they don't talk it out. They don't ask questions. Their thoughts is their final authority. You have become your final authority. And because you are your final authority, you give more credence to your thoughts and your feelings than the thoughts of God. And thus says the word of God. As a Christian, the scripture is your roadmap. As a Christian, the Bible is your your rule of thumb for faith and practice. That is our life. That's what we give credence to. We don't give credence to our thoughts and our feelings. They are real. We don't deny them, but they don't govern us. They do not govern us. My thoughts, my feelings do not govern me. I don't deny them. I know they're real, but they don't govern me. I train my thoughts instead of trusting my thoughts because not everything you think is true and not everything you think is valid and not everything you think is healthy. And not everything you think is beneficial. And not everything you think about other people is also true. And so therefore you've got to come in alignment with yourself. Your spirit has to say the same thing your mind says. And your mind has to say th- the same thing your spirit says. The greater challenge today is not to get unity in the church. is to get unity inside of me. I am tired of being divided. I'm tired of my mind being here and my thoughts being here and my heart being over here. I don't know whether I love God or don't love God. I don't know whether I want to praise God or don't want to praise God. I don't know if I want to give or I don't want to give. Jesus said, I desire all of you. Today, the word of the Lord is pick yourself up, pull yourself back in alignment, get yourself together. Integrity comes from a word which means wholeness, oneness. I am who I say I am. My thoughts, my mind, my spirit, it's all one thing. I am whole. Is this all right today? I said, is this all right today? Today's separation will bring tomorrow's successes. Today's sanctification is going to bring tomorrow's miracles. Today's consecration is going to bring tomorrow's conquest. Today's appetite is a product of yesterday's attention. Whatever you focus on, whatever you give your attention to, will develop an appetite within you. I want to say this, and I want to say it loud and clear because I think it's important. That desires determine, desires do not determine destiny. Your diet does. But that graveyard out there is full of people who have never sung the songs that were in their heart. There's a graveyard up the road of people that should have preached but never preached. That should have been a doctor but never had the discipline to go to school. There are people that's in the graveyard that had the anointing and the appointment to do great things for God. And all they had was a desire. The graveyard is full of people with desires and intentions. You've got to translate your desires into deeds. It has to be more than a want to. It has to be more than a desire. It has to be a do. It has to be an activity. It has to be translated into a deed. When your desires are translated into deeds, that will bring productivity. That will bring productivity. You are responsible for your life. Nobody else is. Nobody else is responsible for the things you've done or the things that you will do. There are contributing factors, but you're the one that's responsible. And in order for you to have a healthy prescription for your health, you've got to diagnose things correctly. And the problem is in our postmodern society, we have diagnosed ourselves incorrectly. And so therefore we're we're giving ourselves the wrong medicine. You gotta diagnose yourself correctly before the prescription becomes right or else you'll have the wrong prescription. Our attention is divided. Desires don't determine destiny, diet does. According to one study at Harvard Health Watch, they did one study at Harvard and said this, that the average American spends 101 minutes per day driving. 101 minutes a day driving. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, and I quote, the average American watches TV 2.8 hours a day. In a lifespan, if you watch two hours of TV a day, that's eight years in a lifespan. According to this study at Harvard, the average time a person spends on social media in North America is two hours and six minutes. If you do that in a lifespan, that's over six hours of just being on a social media in your life. In a lifespan, you spend two hours in just shopping, the average American. I'm sure for women, that's a little bit more two, over two years of shopping in a lifespan. In a lifespan, it's over three hours of just eating and drinking. I'm sure mine will be six. In a lifespan, we spend at least one year in social, in socializing. To some of you, this may be lower. But in a lifespan, you will sleep over 26 years in just sleeping. Now, some of you say, I wish that was true for me. Some of you may get less, and some of you may get more. But how many will raise your hand today and say, I love sleep when I do get it? And the rest of you are lying. I said, How many raise your hand and say, I love sleep when I do get it? But I want you to think about this, church. Think about this. Think about this. I know just a minute here. Listen to Pastor. Nobody would ever notice, but if you keep doing it over and over and over, eventually there's going to be a noticeable difference. And I'm telling you today that if some of us, including myself, I'm preaching to myself, we've got to get our life back in order. We've got to get our attention back in focus. We can make all the excuses in the world why we don't want to go to church. And I know it's a little strange right now and we can make all and, and, and I understand the social distance and quarantine. You need to do that if you're sick. But what I am saying is is this, but that's not an excuse for us to slack on spiritual disciplines. Even though you can't come to church, you should still be reading and studying and reading books and propelling yourself to growth. This is not a time in a pandemic where we should go to sleep, and it's not a time where we should get in a rut. This is not a time where we should just maintain. This is a time where we should be more missional than we've ever been. I don't care who's going to be president. The church of Jesus Christ is the church of Jesus Christ and we will flourish and we will grow and we will expand because Jesus said upon this church, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Get your mind together. We act like this is the worst time in history. I don't think so. Nero cut the heads off of Christians and lit lit up his garden at night. You have a cell phone and you have technology and you can go out to eat every day and you can come to church whenever you want. It's not that bad. That's all right. They have a pastoral voting in January. If you don't like me, vote me out and I'll just go preach somewhere else. But can somebody just help this preacher preach today? Can somebody just wave your hand and say, it's not that bad. And we act like it's such a burden to come to the house of God. It's a burden to go to church. Oh, if I got to go three, don't ask me to go on Wednesday. It's just too much. It's like too much on me. Too stressful, pastor. Just, Just too much. I can't take it. I can't. Today's appetite is determined by what you heard yesterday. And I promise you, you're hearing a lot of junk six days a week. And the only time you're hearing the word is on Sunday morning. It's no wonder we got a cook shoe to worship God. Amen. Because you put junk in all week. And now you've got to come to church and everything you saw on the computer and everything you saw on Facebook and everything you talked about, every, it's just whirling around your mind. Your mind just spinning. Because your appetite is determined by what you have heard all week. Are you called to isolate yourself from the world? Absolutely not. But if a little minute here and a minute there and a minute there adds up, can you not just make one step and maybe take a minute here and quote a scripture once in a while and take a minute here and read a scripture and take a minute here and pray and take a minute here and do this and take a minute and do this? The minutes add up. I'm asking you to make a baby step towards the right direction and if that's just a little step then struggle in the right direction but you gotta make up your mind I'm not going back even if it's a minute I'm not going back I gotta take a if it's a minute going forward it's a minute in the right direction You may not be Billy Graham or Smith Wigglesworth, you're not called to be them, but I'm asking you to take a minute, get your focus together and go in the right direction. Because one minute in the wrong direction, and you keep taking a minute here and a minute there in the wrong direction, you're going to find yourself down the road and you're going to wonder, how did I get here? Because it's just a little second and a little minute and a little undivided focus. And then you find yourself in a place that you never thought you would ever be. That's why progress, no matter how small it is, if it's just a little tiny step, if it's in the right direction... That's all that matters. See, pastor, I don't got a good prayer life. I can't read the Bible as much as you do. I don't, I don't even understand some it. That's okay. That's all right. If you are struggling, all I'm asking you to do is don't give up. Even if you don't understand the Bible, read something you do understand. If you've got to read John 3:16 every day, read it every day. but make up your mind, you will never, 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 never. go back.) Never go back. If you've got to get up and take your Bible and hit the devil between the eyes and tell the devil, I may not know I understand Greek and Hebrew, but I know this one thing I refuse to be the person that I was. You've got to go forward. There's a battle for your attention. I'm reminded of the story. In the Old Testament, of a man by the name of Belshazzar. Belshazzar was the king of Babylon. Babylon was known for their idol worship. They were known for their worship of their gods of wood, hay, and stubble. They worshiped their pagan gods. And the Bible says, you don't have to read it, I'll read it for you. The Bible says in the book of Daniel, chapter number 5, the Bible says, Belshazzar, number one, the king made a great feast. The Bible says, and he invited thousands of his lords to drink wine in the presence of a thousand. And while he tested the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and the silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, which he had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords and his wife and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that they had taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king of the lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. And they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron, wood and stone. And as they were partying, this is what happened. In the same hour, fingers of a man's hand appeared. And wrote on the opposite of the lampstand, the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Can you imagine? Now, the story is the whole chapter, so I'm going to summarize it in just a moment. The king is having a great party. Wants all of his wives, his concubines, his mistresses, his lords come together, let's party. Let's party all night as they worship their gods of gold and silver. But what was debauchery in all of this was that the king said, go over to the temple in Jerusalem and all of that vessels that they had in the temple that they drank from, the vessels of gold, vessels of silver, the cups, the sacred cups that was used for God, would you get them and bring it to the party and let's party with it. Sounds like modern day society, don't it? Mixing a little bit of the world Mix it in, let's party together. Let's take what is righteous and put it with unrighteous things. Let's mix it together. And as they partied and as they drank their wine and as they lifted their voices to their gods of gold and silver, the Bible says that a hand began to write on the wall and it began to write on the wall and the king was so troubled the king couldn't understand what in the world. And the, you know what the king did? The Bible says even his knees begin to knock together because he's so frightened because he saw a hand writing on the wall. His knees, the Bible says, knocked together because he's so frightened about what was happening. And the Bible says he called together all of his wise men, verse number 8, and he asked his astrologers and wise men, can you understand what this writing on the wall is? And nobody could understand. The Bible says in verse number nine, that King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance changed and his Lord's was astonished. Nobody could understand what the writing on the wall meant. Right in the midst of them partying, right in the midst of them having a good time, the Lord got his attention and wrote on the wall. He was so frightened It's amazing how the Lord can get your attention when you're doing your own thing. The hand began to write on the wall and the king was troubled. Now, you know the story, verse number 13, Daniel was in exile in Babylon. He was a man that was anointed by God to interpret dreams. They brought Daniel before the king. And Daniel began to stand before the king. And this is what Daniel said. Daniel interpreted what the writing on the wall was. The Bible says in verse number 23, the Bible says, Daniel said to the king, he said, and you have lifted yourself up against the God of heaven, and you have brought the vessels of his house before you, and your lords, and your wives, and your concubines, and you've drank wine from them. How dare you use what is holy in your debauchery orgies that you're doing? How dare you mix what is holy with what is worldly? He's stretching his hands forth, Daniel, and begin to judge the king. And you have praised the gods of silver. You have praised the gods of gold, bronze, and iron, wood, and stone, which you do not see. They do not see. They do not know. And the God who holds your breath in your hand owns all your ways, and you have not glorified him. You've not glorified him. You've worshipped those things that have no breath, that can't see, that can't hear, and you don't even acknowledge God who holds your breath. Sounds like the modern world, don't it? We worship at the God of entertainment and sex, we've created an appetite for it it's never enough it's never enough I've got to have more toys i got to work more i got to work more I've got to have more money i got to work we got to work we got to work we got to do we got to do we got because the appetite is never full because we have listened to the world. The world tells you you better work seven days a week. The world tells you you got to have this. The world tells you you got to meet up to the Joneses. The world says you got to do that. And we have fed our spirit so much that it has produced an appetite for something that never brings satisfaction. You have worshiped the gods. Do not glorify. And then verse 24, then the fingers of the hand were sent from him. Sent from who? God. This was the inscription that was written. Mina, Mina, techno, a person. This is the interpretation. God has numbered your kingdom you have been weighed in the balances. You've been found wanting. Your kingdom is divided. Daniel stands before him and says, "You know, the writing on the wall. The message to you, King, is he's got your attention. Your kingdom is going to fall, O King." Oh, I'm sure Belshazzar's knees started shaking again because God. God is attention. God has a way of getting our attention, don't he? And the Bible says in verse number 30 of the same chapter, Belshazzar was slain. He fell that very night. You see, my friends, you got to pay attention. Because if you don't pay attention, God will get your attention. You say, Boy, I'm disappointed over the elections. Could it be that God is getting your attention? Oh, I know. You probably don't believe me. I'm just a preacher. There's a battle for your attention the church has never prospered in prosperity there was a man sent from God his name was John and he lived under King Herod God always prospers his church in a time of decay and decline Could it be that God says, I want the light to shine darker, lighter in the darkness? Could it be, he said, I want you to be a billboard for my glory. The point of the matter is that God will do whatever it takes to get your attention. He has to get your attention before you receive the word. Some of you, are just like the king. Your knees are knocking, you're troubled. He's got your attention, but you don't understand, you don't understand. The king didn't understand until Daniel gave him the interpretation. Pastor, why does it seem like I go in a circle all the time? Why is it that I've lost my joy? What's with it? Could it be that every week you come to church and the word is going forth, God is speaking to you and you're looking for a different method? You see, because God will do whatever he has to do to get your attention. If it's to write on the wall, if it's to disturb your party, he'll disturb your party. Don't be troubled over the method. Just make sure that you look for the message in the method. Make sure, number two, you look for the message in the method. The method was he used an invisible hand to write on the wall. That was the method. But the message was your kingdom is going to come down. Oh, there's all kinds of methods that God is using to wake us up. Don't be disturbed by the method. Don't be disturbed by the chaos in America. That's a method. What is the message? The message to the king was you've worshiped your gods of gold and silver, and your kingdom's going to fall because you didn't give glory to God. Number three, your life will never be in order unless your attention is redirected. You don't have to fast for three days. You don't have to come to the altar and let me lay hands on you and pour oil on top of you and and like a greasy pig at a county fair. You don't need to march around this building seven times. You don't need to take a Bible. No, no, no. All you need to do is make a decision that I don't want to go back, so I'm going to refocus and redirect my life in the right direction. That night, the king was conquered. The enemy destroyed the king. God is trying to get your attention before the enemy comes in and takes your life. The enemy will come in and steal, kill, and destroy. God will do whatever he has to do to get your attention. You can't be focused on the method. You've got to find the message in the method. And if you want your life to change, you got to redirect it, refocus it. David said, "He give me your attention, David. Give me your attention. When you're talking to your child and you're trying to correct your child and redirect your child, you want your child to look at you in your eyes. Give me your attention. Lift up your head and look at me. What about it, folks? What about it? There is no secret to life. Life has no secrets. I'm not any more spiritual than you are. Sometimes I get discouraged. Sometimes I get discouraged at church. You know, you you press so hard and you preach so hard and you love people so hard and people are... You know what I'm talking about. You've experienced with your kids. You're trying to tell your kids you love them and I want, and they just said that. But in spite of all of that, I still love people. You know why I still love you? And I still love people? It's because I realize He's the glory, and my direction is him. And when I could see his face better, your face looks better. When I'm at his feet, I can wash your feet. But if I pay attention to your feet, and I'm not sitting at his feet, your feet will look dirtier than my feet. That is why his feet is number one, and his face is number one. That's to the feet of Jesus. Mary washed his feet and the disciples never washed his feet. He came into the house. It was hospitality to wash his feet. Nobody washed it. They paid attention to the dirt on the woman's feet, but she had the right perspective. I'm going to wash his feet. As everybody in the else in the room paid attention to how dirty her feet was. You're going to get hurt in life. You're going to see a lot of dirt in people. You'll see how a lot of dirty feet. it's going to hurt you. But if that's all you focus on and you don't go at his feet first, then the dirtiness of people's feet will be a hindrance to you. And that's why. You got to change your direction. You got to change your attention.